Welcome to Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. We are so glad you could join us today. The Crosstalk podcast is in pursuit of growing in our understanding of the gospel and discovering what it means to transfer to the next generation. And now, here are your hosts, Charles and Daniel. Glad you could join us again. It's time to jump into our topic on thinking. Last week, we attempted to survey the subject of thinking. Uh, we were thinking about thinking. Right. Uh, well, <laughs> again, thinking anytime I say well. the word thinking, it's going to be uh, emphasized because it's just hard not to as we talk about this issue. But it's good. It's forcing us to think. Right. And so, um, however, now we want to move into talking about the obstacles of sound thinking. So what gets in our way of being able to think clearly? So we are building upon blocks here, and we're seeking to build a platform from which to ultimately apply our thinking um, in the days and weeks to come. But what gets in our way in the ability to think rightly? Um, And we mentioned that last week. We talked about that was one of our goals and purposes was we want to think rightly because if we don't think rightly, we cannot apply in the areas that we've talked about so much over the last several years at Crosstalk. And so we want to look at the obstacles to our thinking. Uh, We don't particularly have any specific verse. It's going to be very topical in nature, but we will mention some passages and stuff that you can jot down later or go back and listen to and get those if you want to just dive in and study on those. So as we talk about thinking What are the obstacles? What are the things that get in our way to be able to think rightly, to think soundly, to biblically? Yeah. um, The first thing that is true in the whole issue of thinking is an obstacle, and that is a fallen will, uh, or a flawed will, I should say, which is fallen. But um, we have a, a will you know, Luther wrote his book, The Bondage of the Will, and much has been written about the human will, whether the will is free. If it is free, to what degree is it free? And if it's free, it's free to do what? And uh, But the, the truth is we have a fallen will. That's true of the rebellious, that is, those who rebel against God, against the truth of God, against the word of God, against the will of God. Adam is the federal head of the, of the human race. He, uh, uh, in Adam, we all sinned, as in, and we all died. So spiritually, we died. It affects our will, our want to, our desire. You know, it. Um, our will is broken. Now, so those, so we naturally think, well, lost people, people who are not believers, they don't want the right stuff. But what about the redeemed? Sometimes we don't want the right stuff. Mm. We so, still struggle with this so whole you're issue of our will. More, not as much about original sin right now, although it is an, it is an obstacle. Yeah. But you're also talking about the fact that just as humanity in general were flawed because of yes. original sin. Yes. So therefore, whether rebellious, meaning out of Christ, or redeemed in yeah. Christ, yeah. there is flawed thinking that has to be dealt with. Yeah, and will has has certainly we're redeemed, and that means all of us is is eat every bit of us is redeemed, right? So it's not that our will is not affected by our redemption and by our conversion and the transformation in Christ, but we are told to um, uh, what is it in Romans twelve one and two? I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to bring the bodies of living sacrifice. 
and be not conformed to this world, be transformed. I want to go to that verse in a moment, but uh, by the renewing of your mind. So our by minds, the renewing of your thinking. Yeah, our minds and our will is a part of this thinking, this mind, need to be transformed. We're not there yet. We still deal with what the Reformers like to call remaining sin, the remnants of sin, the the remnants of a fallen will. Well, and I think Romans 6, even before you get to Romans 12, is really talking about our post-Christian state and our or not post, but our pre-Christian state, and then our post-Christian state, and how those two things work together. And our members were once slaves to 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 sin, now they are to be slaves to righteousness. But it's not like you wake up the next morning and go, oh, yeah, I, I know exactly what that means. Yeah, There's a learning we're on a curve, journey. if yeah, you will. Right. There's a process exactly. by which to grow and learn. Right. Um, you know, it's interesting, I think, in our culture more than ever, you have people getting converted, and I've heard of situations where young couples coming into the church and they've been living together, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, you guys got you can't do that. Either you got to get here <laughs> today yeah. or you move out. Well, you know, it's interesting, Paul. And they'll go, why? Well, let me show you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's. Let me tell you how to think about this. (laughs) Well, you know, in Romans 7, it's sort of an autobiographical piece by Paul. And uh, he says in there, to will is present with me. Well, why is the will there to do the right thing? Well, because he's converted. He has the Holy Spirit. He's a new creature. Mm. But how and He's talking about the believer here. Yeah. yeah. But how to perform that, which is good, I find not. So the, the will is a struggle, whether you're an unconverted person or a converted person. It's flawed. And we're – this thinking, this whole issue of thinking is part of fixing that, of, of repairing that flawed will. And, mm. and it happens over time. I do think <laughs> – I keep saying that. I do think that one of the things that we're going to dive into this more is the idea of original sin, our depravity p- before being saved, yeah. is very important. And it's going to be something we're going to touch on because I think it will help develop our thinking in this right. manner. But to s- suffice it to say, we are flawed. We're sons of Adam. Right. Yeah, we are. And uh, yeah. Um, which leads us to uh, a second obstacle, and that is a fallen world. I, you know, I quoted Romans. So, 12. what's the difference? If we're fallen, when when it well, mean we're that all we're in fallen, the fallen and we're fallen. We're part of our fallen. We we fell with Adam, and so yeah. we're we're fallen. That's why our will is flawed. Um, the world itself around us is fallen. It fell in Adam, and we're challenged in Scripture regarding our relationship with the world. Mm. Romans twelve two, uh, and be not conformed to this world. Love don't, not the world. Don't be Neither poured the into the world's world, mold, yeah. but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's um, interesting you say that. I just preached um, Colossians three not too long ago. Um, Colossians three five through nine specifically, right. where it talks about your earthly members. Yeah, and this idea of that mortification which is, of sin. We, and yeah. In a sense, we are earthly. Yeah, we are of this yeah. world, and we have earthly members. In, in our the bodies. sense of, we are on this earth, but the problem is, is now is redeemed. We got to realize that our thinking has to change so that we are not of the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and but since since we are surrounded by a fallen world, we live in a fallen world. Then uh, it affects us in a couple of ways, at least a couple of ways. One, it draws us, it allures us. It's it's uh, the you know. John says in First John 2, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Why does he say not to love the world? Because we're tempted to love it. 
we're drawn to it. The world's attracted to us. It, it, there's much about the world, and some of it's not sinful, but there's much about the world that has attracted us, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And so it draws us, it allures us, and um, it's um, uh, and then it deceives us. Now, I thought of, as I was thinking of this, I thought of John in Revelation. Now, John is the only apostle left. It's the end of the first century. Hmm. He's been exiled to an island called Patmos. And it's there that God reveals the events of the book of Revelation right. to him. He writes a letter and these things to these uh, seven churches. But he's shown a woman, a harlot, and she's riding upon a beast. And she is ruling over the kings of the earth. And then, it, and then when we get down a little ways, it says, uh, the harlot was drunk with the blood of saints and martyrs. And then he says, I wondered with great admiration. Huh. That's, that's, that always has struck me as, as strange, as interesting. John, the apostle, wondered Who's seen with a lot amazement, of things. with great admiration. But he's seen a lot of things. Yeah. And, he, and then... The one who's revealing this thing he says, why do you wonder at the, at the harlot? Hmm. And that's the question, isn't it? Why does the world look attractive to us? Well, because it is. And because we're earthly-minded often. Yeah. So, well, continue. I'll ask this question when you get done with the next point because I think it will draw the two together. So, well, so I'm continue. simply yeah. saying that this fallen world is an obstacle to clear biblical thinking. It, well, it, it draws us. It deceives us. It, it does. It 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 misguides us. It yeah. So I'll ask this question then: If it draws us and deceives us, how does it do that? And I know we're going to get into more of that, but to kind of help us think a little bit, how does it do that? Well, aren't we not believers? I think we go back again to what we said in our first point. And that is that as redeemed people who are converted, who are new creatures in Christ, we still have remaining sin, and that the remnants, those members that you talked about in Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 and following, those, uh, the, the King and New King James Version says, uh, put to death, um, mortify your members. Kill it. That's why we have to right. put them to death. That's right. why we have to mortify them, because they are attracted to these things. So we have to kill the sin, we have to, as um, John Owen said, step over their bellies. You know, <laughs> you know it's, it's a picture there of, of having killed the enemy, and then we step over their bellies. That's, that's the idea. I think Christians can become very enamored with the world. Re- yeah. And, and, and I don't mean that in a, in a sense of like, oh, we don't, we don't do some of the things we should do. We don't obey in ways we, we shouldn't. What I mean by that is, is that we often want to take the world's methods and apply them to our biblical methods, and 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 we've yeah. never really thought through the ramifications of that or the the implications of that. Yeah, and so so we're so enamored with the world that now, with that said, creation, arts, the things that we as humans can come up with and beauty mm-hmm. and glory are good. And I think there yeah. are things in this there earth is we beauty use. in the now. Yeah. But what I'm saying is we are quick to do that yeah. without any thought of what that might mean. Without critical thought. Right. And we're going to get to critical thinking at some point in this. But yeah, without critical thought. So that's true. So I, f- 
I just thought of, you know, to show you, this is maybe, maybe it's a kind of a mundane illustration, but let's take sports. And I've got a team, and I think my team's the best team. Right. They, they, you know, I've got all the reasons why I pull for my team. Well, the guys on my team, I pull for them. And I may think the, the head guy on this team, man, he is wonderful. But the head guy on the other team that I don't like, he's not. But I, if I look at both of them, they're both equally fallen, equally unconverted, right. equally self-centered, equally – you know what? My thinking is that one's better than the other. Why? Because he plays for my team. Yeah. No. See, see how our thinking, just on something like that, yeah. can get off, yep. and we can be deceived into thinking the wrong way. It's, it's a silly thing, but that's just it. No, it's it a makes silly thing. <laughs> I, I think it's a very practical example. We, we, we tend to, to think how we want to think. Yeah. To the end we want. Because it fits our narrative. Yeah. Which is so cultural right now. And there's the flawed will again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what we want, what yeah. we will. Yeah. yeah. And and we'll make an argument for it. We yep. might even, quote, make a biblical argument for it. Uh, we could probably come up with something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that, that shows just how our will is flawed and how we are flawed and how we need to be aware of that obstacle. Well, and I'll touch on this just a little bit. I think that shows the need for a systematic theology. How do I think about the Bible yeah. in a systematic way? Because if you don't have a system by which to think, then you'll think a lot of things. Yeah, some of it, and your in, flawedness yes. will affect that. Yep, it will. Yeah. It's celebrityism is an example of that. Right. We just we we get excited. We think, well, maybe this celebrity is a believer. Mm. You know, well, that's that's okay. If it's he just is, that, praise God. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it somehow is going to make him better for us to pull for. It, it's just a flawed way of thinking yeah. and, a, and a fallen world. Okay, so we have, we're have we flawed, we're fallen, and then there's this idea of feudal wisdom. Yeah, I am. Um, in Romans 1, we see that so clearly. Romans 1. Uh, Maybe 20. people should just go read Romans. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Probably so. Yeah, it could be a manifesto sort of. Uh, but Paul says that uh, when they, they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their thinking, their imaginations. Foolish heart was darkened. I said we just kind of discussed that to somebody. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Uh, folly. What appears to be wise is actually folly. Uh, and it affects um, you know, uh, verse 23 says they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and uh, birds and four-footed beasts and bugs. You know, <laughs> it's, so, so here we see this feudal wisdom, and it's a, it, it affects a person's view of himself or herself. Um, we see ourselves wrong based on uh, do we see ourselves more significant than they really are or what, what do you mean by that well that's certainly true uh you know one one of the things paul again here we go back to romans chapter 12 after he makes that verse that we're so familiar with with be not conformed to this world and then he talks about not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Mm. We do, and he's talking to Christians. Right. So I, he said, "I'm so I'm, I'm challenging each one of you not to think of." Your, he doesn't say, "Make sure you love yourself. Make sure you have a high estimation, high self-esteem." He's not saying that. He said, "Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think." That is our natural tendency. That is the 
That is the tendency of human wisdom, is to think more highly of humans, particularly of ourselves. And that's, we don't we know that to be true. Just take it either in a dating or marital relationship or a, a brother-sister or brother-brother relationship, is that the other person's problems are greater than ours. We're not as sinful as they are or as mistaken as they are. This is, this is how human wisdom leads us regarding ourselves, but it also affects our view of his view of his creator. Psalm 50, verse 21. How many times, I don't know how many times I've read through the Psalms, uh, lost count, and I've read over that verse, and it jumps off the page each time. You thought, God says, you thought that I was altogether such as yourself. Like you. You thought I was just like you. This is what we think. We think God's like us. That's why people come up with variant views of God. They want a God like them. Well, it's the whole concept of professing themselves to be wise that became fools. Yeah. You yes. know. And, and and when you look at Romans, going to your Romans example, they replaced the creator with a creature. Now, it's interesting that I think it's not at all unbiblical to say that everything comes back to our view of God. Yes. The, the writer of Proverbs says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The knowledge of God is understanding. What we know and think about God affects everything else. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago we were having our board meeting. I know this keeps coming up because we just discussed this a lot right. at our board meeting. Um, and I was having a conversation with a couple of our other board members just to the side before we got going. And we were talking about our new child that was born, Livian. If those who don't know, Livian was born in December the 19th. A couple of months ago. Yes. Yeah. Um, anyway, we were talking about that and just talking about raising a daughter within this culture that we find ourselves in. And then we talked about how the culture has basically undefined, if you will, what a woman is. And so I brought up the point. I said, if you don't believe in life or you don't define life the way you should, then why would you be surprised that we are not defining women the way we should? I think I probably can take that a little bit step further. If you do not know God as the creator, the primary mover in all things, and then therefore do not know that he is the giver of life. Yeah, as the Bible defines then, it. Then the, you always say the slippery slope. Well, now we're going down the slippery slope. Well, it is true. You begin to go down the slope of undefining all that which is good and right. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about thinking is that if you don't understand and you're flawed, and now you've got to go back to what is truth and central, mm-hmm. meaning who is God, and what does that mean for me? You can't think. Not rightly, At least not, anyway. a cr- not, not rightly. Yes. Yeah, that's correct. Now, it's interesting, just to go back to Paul and Timothy, and in 2 Timothy, and the first, last week we looked at 2 Timothy, last time we looked at 2 Timothy uh, 2.7. But if you look at 2 Timothy 1.7, Paul's dealing with a, a young, somewhat timid, not so sure of himself, godly young man pastor in church, and he says, he calls to remember, I want you to remember the things 
you know, the gift that's been given to you, and so forth. And then he says, because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and the King James says, of a sound mind. Power, love, and sound discipline, a discipline, mm. discipline thinking. One, uh, I saw one fellow who translates sound judgment, sound balanced mind, disciplined, self-controlled thinking. You know, fear, he mentions fear because that's a pretty common right. emotion. And we can be just thrown out of balance with fear. I mean, look at our – look what happened during COVID. <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> Buddy, does that show? Right. You know, and so he calls us to address these obstacles, to face these obstacles with sound biblical judgment, mm. disciplined thinking. Self-discipline, self-control touches every area of life. You know, I've talked about this. I've I've come. I think more about it now as an older man than I should, and I should have talked more of it as a younger man. But discipline, self-discipline touches every area of life. Yes, it certainly t- touches, addresses our thinking. Well, the undisciplined mind cannot think correctly. No, and because we are flawed, we need to discipline our mind. The alternative. Is insanity. Yeah, which is what we're seeing. We're seeing what we call cultural insanity. Cultural. Well, but I think it affects the church. Yes, it does. You know, and and what you think and how you think matters. And and if you don't know that you're flawed, then you're going to have a hard time thinking rightly. Yes. Um, If you don't know the world for what it is. Yeah, exactly. Because then you're going to have the hard questions. Well, why would a God allow a tornado to rip through a community and... yeah kill so many people why would a god do that yeah well we're not going to answer that right now because right now we're just talking about how to think but you can't answer that question yeah what you have is futility yeah a futile wisdom yeah Yeah. well this has been good because i think these are foundational because if you don't get this then when you try to think rightly you're going to struggle um, so as long as you can see obstacles, and we're going to dig more into this is- issue of uh, original sin and, and, and how that affects us and really begin to dig into some of these things, especially when we start maybe talking about systematic theology. But this right here is just perfect on face value. We have obstacles to thinking rightly. Right. We need to remove those obstacles so that we might think rightly. Yep. That's right. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us. And again, we will talk about thinking next week again thanks everyone so much for joining us today you can always visit us on the web at crosstalkpodcast.org crosstalk is produced by vision for living ministries a nonprofit organization this podcast is a free resource but you can support us financially through our website for more information on vision for living ministries visit our website at visionforliving.org where you will find more great resources. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Vision for Living or on Twitter, at V4L. We also love to hear from our listeners. You can email us anytime at info at visionforliving.org. Be sure to join us next week on Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond.